you're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. On here, sorry. I don't know if you can remember back this far, but a year ago we were uh, in the middle of that. You know, starts with C, ends with Ovid. Um, we were in the middle of that, and I, I remember one of the things that, not that I want to bring up bad memories, but um, I remember one of the things that, that I, I feared the most was <clears throat> hearing the news. Um, and, and just specifically, <clears throat> um, you know, if I watched the news, then maybe they would change the... Uh, the, the restrictions or they would change the, you know, the, the things, the rules that we could, uh, you know, how many people could gather in, in one person place and, you know, and then just having to switch things here at the church and, and just having to deal with all that, that was agonizing and, and exhausting, really. So I just felt anytime um, that I turned on the news, I, I, I sensed some fear there. Uh, certainly in my own self. And, and I don't know if you ever feel that way when you watch the news or when you pick up a newspaper. Uh, I think we can, uh, I think that we can kind of get that way. We can kind of, you know, brace ourselves. When is the next catastrophe going to hit? When is the, when is the next um, military conflict? When is the next economic breakdown um, when is it going to happen? We've grown grimly accustomed to bad things appearing on the horizon. We're, we're used to it. And we know to uh, actually anticipate it now. But the reason why I bring that up is because conversely to that sense of fear and trepidation that maybe the news has, Christmas always brings with it um, for, for, for many of us, it brings, or it's meant to bring, I guess, is a better way to say it, uh, good feelings. Christmas is a special season. It's a uniquely treasured season because it's the time of year when we celebrate the appearing of something far more wonderful than we can ever imagine. It's the time of year... It's the reason why we're here tonight. It's the time of year that we remember 2,000 years ago when something, in fact, someone truly wonderful appeared on the world, uh, on, on the canvas of this world, on the plot line of its history. And his coming, his coming brought salvation. And his coming brought hope. And so... As we have been uh, going through the Christmas season, as, as we've been going through Advent, we started at the beginning of December here at West End. What we've been doing is we've just been looking at, at, at a few of Paul's letters, just kind of a passage here and there um, that really um, Paul's in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden he kind of just takes a step back and he talks about Christmas. He talks about the incarnation. And, uh, and I just want to share with you three verses tonight, or four verses. And I want to read them for you, and then I just kind of want to unpack them really quickly. 
And uh, uh, because Paul does it again, and it, in the, re- the verses that I want to read for you come from the book of Titus. And in Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, it says this. Um, Paul is talking about slaves and he's talking about freedom and, and he's talking about how slaves should behave to their masters and all that sort of stuff. And then he stops and in verse four he says this, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I mean, we could spend we could spend a long time just kind of uh, unwrapping that, but I I promised that we wouldn't do that. Uh, I just want to suggest a couple of different things tonight. Um, we want to remain focused, but what I want us to see is something truly quite remarkable, quite wonderful. You, s- I, I think that there are a lot of people in this world, in our town in our country, all over the world, I think that there are a lot of people who don't know what to make about faith. About faith in general. They don't know what to make about Jesus Christ in particular. And they would ask questions like, really, what, what does Jesus, what does he really offer? What does he bring to... Uh, is his message, the, the message that we talk about, the, the gospel, is the gospel good? Is it good? Is his influence positive? Will that message that Jesus brings, will it bring bondage? Will his influence bring oppression, as has been the case with many leaders and many teachers all over the, uh, over the years? I mean, these are real questions that people ask. Is Jesus good? Is the message that he brings good? But notice what Paul says in that passage that I just just read for you. um, I'm just going to kind of take it in, in little snippets here, but this is what he says. When the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that's how Paul thinks about Christmas. That's how he thinks about the arrival of Jesus. He, he's talking about God's goodness and he's talking about God's loving kindness. To him, those things are real. They were always existing, but, but they were never really in the, um, they were never really in the, in the visible, uh, visible spectrum. They were never really visible to the human eye. Then suddenly in Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago, this baby is born to that young mother and she laid him in a manger and when the shepherds gathered and the wise men came here's what they said they saw they they saw a baby yes but but they saw more than a baby paul says they saw god's goodness and they saw god's loving kindness and it had now appeared in human history 
I don't know if you've, uh, I don't want to bring up bad memories, uh, but I don't know if you've ever received a bad gift. Uh, you know, the ugly sweater that you got from Aunt Mildred um, that you can't even wear to ugly sweater day because it's just too bad or, or whatever. Maybe there's something in your mind. Honestly, you've probably, you, everyone has received a, a bad gift sometime. And truthfully, we've all given them as well. Conversely, God sent his son into the world that first Christmas 2,000 years ago and it was meant not to be bad, but to be good, to be the best. God sent his son into the world as a, as a good gift. And I think many wonder if God's plan in sending Jesus Christ into the world, um, many people will, will ask this in different ways, but they'll ask things like, you know, it, if, is, does following Jesus mean that my, my freedom will be limited? If, if I follow Jesus, will it, will it mean placing myself under this oppressive yoke of religion? Because that's a view that many people in the world have. But Paul wants us to know, Paul wants us to be clear this Christmas Eve Paul wants us to be clear that in the coming of Jesus, in the arrival of the baby, we see something about God. We see something maybe you and I didn't previously know because if we look into the manger, if we observe the baby, if we observe the boy, if we observe the, the man, the Christ, we see, we see goodness. And we see loving kindness. And not just any goodness, and not just any loving kindness, but, but the goodness and the loving kindness of, of God. So I ask you, why do you think that is? You know, why is that something that Paul felt it necessary to communicate? And why is it something that we need to, to understand why is it that, that God wanted us to see his goodness? Why is the gift of Jesus Christ such a good gift? Let me just suggest to you two things, and that's my gift to you, two things. The gift of Jesus is good for two reasons. First of all, he brings salvation. Lots of gifts that we place under the tree, many of the gifts that we are going to unwrap are essentially, sometimes they're frivolous, like that thing that I, uh, the, the green thing that I talked about a few weeks ago. Um, you know, it was, just a to- it was just a toy. I could have done without it. Um, and, you know, by the time I was seven, I probably did, uh, I, I think I broke it. Um, in other words, I, my point is that many of the gifts that we, ha- we get, we don't, really need there's nothing wrong with getting gifts it's just that sometimes the gifts that we get are are frivolous but sometimes we actually do get gifts that are incredibly useful and and needed um, when we actually receive a gift that meets an urgent need a hamper of food a check that comes unexpectedly from somebody who cares and just wants to do something nice means the bills can be paid. You see, the, my point is this. The gift of God 
at Christmas that, comes, that, that came down to earth, came to, to meet our greatest need, our most urgent, our most our deepest need. God didn't send his son into the world as, as an act of uh, frivolity. He, it wasn't a, a piece of theater. It wasn't a piece of entertainment. He didn't just do it so that we could have a holiday to brighten up winter. He came because we needed him. He actually came to save us. And, and even though we might not realize it, we might not have perceived it on our own. The Bible says that you and me, we need saving. We need saving because of the problem of our guilt before God. We have, we have, we have not lived God's way. We have not done what we are supposed to do. We have not honored God as our creator. We didn't obey him and we didn't follow his word. We do things and we think things and we say things that we know to be wrong. That's true of all of us. But the Bible says that's a problem. For the wages of sin is death. It's not simply because it's going to make a mess of our lives, but, but sin is a problem because it renders us guilty before God. And we need saving from our predicament, saving from the judgment that is to come. And Jesus appeared, says Paul, and he appeared in this world not simply that we might have a tree and tinsel and days off school, nice as those things are. He, he appeared that we might be rescued, that we might be saved from our guilt and from the penalty of the wrong that we've done of our sin. He came to do that by dying for us. And that's where the story goes. It begins in a stable. It begins with that manger. But it doesn't stop there. It leads to a cross. And the baby who was born in simplicity would ultimately die in agony. And he would pay the price for our sin. And so the gift of Christmas, Jesus coming to this earth comes to us to meet our deepest need. And Paul wants to drive, the, drive home that fact, I guess, that this is very much a true gift. Remember what he says, he saved us not because of, of works done by us in righteousness, but, but according to his own mercy, Jesus offers us the gift of salvation, not on the basis of anything that we have done. That gift is not dependent on, on our behavior. This is not the... This is not the Santa Claus ethic. It, it, it has nothing to do with being naughty or nice. Not with God. This is mercy, straight up mercy. This is a gift that flows from the goodness and the loving kindness of God. The gift of Jesus shows us the goodness and it shows us the loving kindness of God. Last thing, not only is the gift of Jesus good because he brings salvation, but also it is good because he brings salvation hope. 
It brings hope. Paul tells us that God stepped in to save us so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know, we live in a, we live in a world, um, sometimes I, I think we live in a glass half empty kind of world. Don't you, don't you think? This kind of widespread pessimism that is all over the place. People are downbeat. They're pessimistic about climate change. They're, they're pessimistic about the healing of our social divisions. They're pessimistic about the economy, about the government. These are downbeat days where there's divisions and you know, and the pandemic didn't help anything with that. It just created more divisions. There's a rise in mental health concerns. It all kind of comes together and kind of matches together and, and just shows us that there are many people in our society that are living in a state of hopelessness. But God's goodness and God's loving kindness to us is displayed. It's shown in the coming of Jesus. Because in the coming of Jesus, Paul says, we are given hope. We are given true hope. The coming of Jesus means hope for the hopeless. Not simply, by, uh, not simply for this life, but actually for the life to come. That's the hope, the hope of eternal life. That's the hope that he offers us. And at the end of the day, it's the hope that we all really need lurking behind all other concerns and all other fears i think is the fear that we all have of death it's the great enemy of life it's the crusher of joy but jesus came to offer us hope that goes far beyond the grave Jesus came into this lost world that first Christmas and he lived among us and he died as a man, but that wasn't the end of the story. He rose again and he defeated death and he invites us to join on the other side of the grave in heaven above. So I, I guess what I want to leave you with is just a couple of questions. Is the gift of Christmas a good gift? The gift of God in Jesus gives salvation from sin and, and the hope of life eternal to all who believe. So I say to you this Christmas, it truly is. Jesus is truly a good gift. Christmas is a good gift and the giver is good. It's the greatest gift that has ever been given. It's the greatest gift that has ever been received. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And the gift tells us that the giver has a heart of goodness and a heart of loving kindness. And so what will we make of the gift of Jesus? What will, will we take hold of it? The gift is, is, is freely offered to each and every one of us. To each and every one, it is freely offered. It is freely given. And it is ready to be received by faith. And so for you, if it happens that you have never received it, today is the day. And for the rest of us, I think it just, 
I think it's so important that we just take that moment and we just say, God, you are so good. And I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your loving kindness. You are truly a good giver who gave us something that we really just can't even describe. Thank you for dying for the price of my sin. Forgive me. Save me. Thank you for the hope that I have in you. And if you do something like that, you acknowledge and you receive the greatest gift of all. And it's my prayer that each and every one of us this Christmas would indeed know the hope that Jesus Christ offers to all who believe. Amen? God and Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we could spend in your word. I thank you for this time that we can spend just reminding ourselves about what this, what this time of year is all about. And Father, I just thank you so much that there are, we are all here together to think about what you have done for us and what you have given in your son, Jesus. Thank you for this time that we could spend and I just pray that um, in the remaining time that we have that you would just remind us again and again that you are a good giver and your son Jesus is the best gift ever given, ever received. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.